Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm Shawnee Constant. I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Bean. Kayfabe, motherfucker. Kayfabe, motherfucker. We are basking in the glory. In the glory. Of the opulent Russell Palace. Chandelier. Russell Palace. Monkey spike prison style, dude. Boom shakaloo. The scariest of all. Murder Cloud. It's like we've said uh, previously on the show. Meteor. I'm fat. You got fat ass. <laughs> He's coming, drinking! Bob Burns got a big old net! It's a work! It's a work! And this is the one for Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast scheduled for one fall. One fall. Oh, we forgot to tell you. <laughs> one fall. Yeah, yeah, like that. Okay, let's, let's try you one more time. Do it again? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. One fall. One fall. With a 60-minute <laughs> time limit. My name is Chuck Bean. I am uh, welcoming you to another edition of the One Fall Show with my co-host, Shawnee. Hey, oh, how you doing, sir? Uh, I'm here. I'm feeling old today, but yeah. I'm here. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, this week you lined up a guest that I am completely kind of in the dark about. I've, I've never met this person. I'm uh, really interested to talk to them. Well, isn't that an ignoble presentation? <laughs> <laughs> Carmel, uh, one of my favorite people. Hello. Uh, in terms of wrestling parlance, I would say like the consummate face. Like you were just a very <laughs> kind-hearted open, giving, adventuring person. Very adventuresome. Because I met you when 2014, I think, when a couple of, a couple of random people tried to cobble together a, uh, a kickball league. And you would come <laughs> through there. <laughs> Punk rock kickball. The first year was like the proudest thing I've ever done. Like I put a lot of energy into that. And then I could tell before first year was over who was going to eventually topple the the tower from within so i just started stepping back and i i regret doing that i was it was very immature being sort of the elder statesman that i was to just let the the trash goblins devour it from the inside but it was, <laughs> it's so hard to keep something together when it starts getting big right well like, yeah it, one, it, we had 12 people and then there were weeks we had 150 well and then Jesus. it became like it became i feel like originally it wasn't necessarily supposed to be a big thing like andrew Serwak was just like hey like we're gonna play kickball at this park and i was like okay mm-hmm. and then they just kept meeting but then like it became more of like an official thing and then it got a little bit anarchist in the sense that they really the leadership part kind of like dissipated and we kind of all just gathered and then like different people would lead it and then sometimes like Andrew didn't even come and like it got a little disorganized you know like sometimes like it would just like we all just kind of gathered at random and like it did it did fall apart a little bit but it was always fun it was just like it like totally changed in purpose I think oh absolutely like over time do you want to do you want to maybe give the listeners some background to punk rock kickball so punk rock kickball well, there's this band called Fires in Japan, and I met them when I was like 13 or something. So I've known um, Andrew was the lead was the lead singer of that band. He uh, arranged a group of friends to play some kickball, and then they did it a second week when he invited me. And then it kind of became this just like big thing it just where kind we of all exploded. Yeah, we would all get together, and it like mostly the people that are in punk bands, like mostly musicians, but like other people too. And like there would there'd be music, and people would be like running the bases with beers, and people would bring their dogs. And <laughs> so it wasn't treated like super serious. So like you no. guys didn't divide up into teams and then well, start a league. Well, we did actually divide into teams. Stats. Yeah, we did 
didn't keep no definitely not i mean like game to game that we knew who was winning and losing and stuff but like the teams weren't always the same and the same people didn't always come and right. like it was super important in my opinion especially that first year to we kept score for funsies but it was not if you're gonna gloat about shit you were just gonna get punked out yeah and the cool thing about that is I I have no ill will personally like with anybody that came through that thing. I came in with a that very anarchist a cool, attitude. Yeah. And I know that sides eventually split and there is a lot of politics and I don't know if there are still people that have grudges. I, I don't know. I mean, I was never really I've always been a floater of a person socially, mm-hmm. so like when when there's like a divide, I'm usually really on neither side of it. I'm just kind of like, oh, that's interesting what those people over there are doing. Like, I'm usually like separated. Like, right. And not because, not on purpose. It just ends up kind of happening that way. And um, I definitely, I don't really even know now how people feel about it post kickball. But I just remember it really impacting me a lot when I went there because. Um, it came upon me when I was really depressed. I don't really remember why I was depressed, but I remember I was in like a very, I remember the day I went, I was just so bummed and I like barely wanted to leave the house. And I was like, I guess I'll just go because it'll probably make me feel better. Right. And even one of those days, you know, you ever have a day where you're just like anything you could do with your time just sounds terrible. And then like someone will just call and be like, you want to just do this? And you're like, you know. I do want to do that. Right. And that's kind of what Andrew was to me that day. Like, he was like, want to come play? I was like, yeah, whatever. Fuck it. So I went to the do kickball. And then it, everybody was so nice and it made me really happy and it was really fun and good. And like, um, I definitely like continued to go through lots of turmoil and conflict through that period of my life. Mm-hmm. But just meeting the people that were there just like doing that whole experience, I feel like got me out of my shell a lot at that time and like introduced me to like a lot of different schools of thought because. I didn't really get to hang around, like, a lot of people in punk bands, really. It didn't really happen, because just where I, like, live, it was just, like, I don't know. I was just kind of, like, removed from a lot of it. And Andrew mm-hmm. was one of the only people I knew. And so I met so many people through that. And then, like, I don't know. I feel like it helped me expand a lot as a person. But I do remember there being, like, you know, drama on and off and, like, I had like my own share of like whatever I was going I was going through at that time, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's interesting <laughs> getting groups of people together is uh, always a, a risk. <laughs> but, oh, absolutely. But, you know, good things do come of it typically too. I'm like I'm like talking and thinking, but watching this wrestling show right, right so, now. So that's one of the things that uh, Shawnee really likes having guests on for is that uh, even people who aren't fans of professional wrestling have an opinion of professional wrestling, right? Whether they know it or not, right? Like you 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 intersected it with it at some point in your life, and most people, I think, most rational people go watching grown ass people in ridiculous costumes fake fight is the dumbest shit you can possibly do well that's very theatrical like i mean i i started watching glow like a year or two ago great sure. show i love that show and like at first they were like oh it's a wrestling show and i was like okay like i don't know if i'm into this but let me give it a shot but the show is really more about the characters than mm-hmm. just the wrestling but like i feel like now watching wrestling after watching that show i'm like thinking more about all that goes into it and like not that i don't know that glow really accurately depicts it or anything but you can just tell watching this stuff like to to fight for fake and not for real right. it definitely is a skill you have to learn and, how to throw that punch without actually punching the other person in the face because they got to come back tomorrow night so you guys can do it again i'm sure that they uh definitely have errors and accidental injuries and like it's definitely not for the faint of heart i mean and, and there's a certain amount of physical fitness i imagine oh absolutely that you need and yeah, so we're watching Thunder Rosa and Holly Dead of the Twisted Sisters against a couple of blonde jabronis. I don't know who they are. It's not relevant right now. 
But um, the thing I think that is so interesting is as a person who worked, uh, did some music stuff, but I know that you've you've done little tours and you have been consistently performing music for many years now. I've, I've got a chance to meet them as they came through Detroit and they just live on the road. They collect X amount of dollars to perform in front of X amount of people. But yeah, instead of playing music and pouring their heart out, they're doing this sort of weird athletic. <laughs> I like to call it lowbrow performance art. I, I always like to think of it as live action stunt work. Like you watch a movie or you watch a TV <laughs> show or something like that, like um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something like that, or Supernatural, and they're like, there's stunt work going on. Well, this is like watching that stunt work happen right in front of you, so it could go wrong at any moment. They have to be, you know, pretty on their game to make it believable and and make it also entertaining. I mean, it's engaging. I feel like sometimes it's partly just due to the fact that there's, like, bodies happening in front of you. Like, I think that, like, the lack of clothing, even when men wrestle, like, I feel like it's like, you're like, what's going on over there? It's like... There's definitely, um, you know, this goes to its carny roots, I think. Like, it came up through the 19th and uh, 20th century, primarily in the United States, of course, there's wrestling everywhere uh, in 2019. But yeah, it's this. The, yeah, there's this um, this showgirl element to it. Uh, there's the strongman element. You know, you've mm-hmm. seen the guys that oil themselves up, and you're, yeah, it's a spectacle. Theoretically, yeah. your fan base is heterosexual men. But yet <laughs> how fascinating that we're all showing up and getting. And this goes, you're pumped, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the '70s, you know, I think a lot of those audiences, as recently as the 1970s. A lot of those audiences outside of the first couple rows didn't. They were willing to buy into the fact that it was a real fight. It wasn't until they could really blow expose the it through the media mm-hmm. that it was. And, and how weird is it to think that there's like this massive amount of people who are just total marks and believe that it wasn't a predetermined story. But now, like I love watching Thunder Rosa. I follow her on Instagram. I don't follow a whole lot of wrestlers, but the thing is, is at some point, if she continues to do it, she'll change her costume. She may change her name. She'll she'll do something different, and it'll show that there's been an elevation in their style. You know, it's like when your favorite band suddenly goes from acoustic to electric, or your solo performer suddenly has a band with them. You're like, what the fuck? If you've been following their story. You don't get angry, right? You don't say, oh, they sold out. You're like, oh, no, no. I could see where Carmel was working towards a sort of a jazzy single mic and an amphitheater kind of record, which I kind of feel like. Did you do something different with your recording of this latest record? You got I a record did. coming out. We need to talk I about did. This. Right. Yeah, because you mentioned she, that she's a musician. What is, like, primarily, what do you play? I mostly play guitar okay. and sing, and occasionally I play ukulele. I started on piano, so my earlier music is more piano dominant. But um, are you self-taught, or did you like? Take I lessons? had lessons for a little short while when I was really small, when I was like five, and okay. I hated it. Yeah, and. I kind of tried to do it again when I was like nine, and I still didn't really like it. And then when I was in high school, I tried writing just by ear on the piano, and I really liked that. And then I kind of got like tips from like the music teacher and stuff. So it's like I have a musical background, right? So I had some like well, I'm, I'm experience with I, it. I yeah. also started on piano and then transferred to to guitar. So I'm interested to hear somebody else's journey as far as that. Yeah, that works out as well. Like, what made you trans? What made you decide to pick up the guitar? from the piano i'm not sure i think maybe when i was my my mom had an acoustic guitar like laying around the house and it was a classical and so i think that maybe out of curiosity like seeing her play it maybe i tried it at some point i probably i probably tried for the i don't really know how old i was maybe like 
12 is like the earliest I remember like trying to play the guitar. Right. And then when I was around like like 13 or so, I think I took a few lessons and learned how to read tabs. And I, I liked a lot of guitar-based music. So I think that's partly where it came from. Is I sure wanted to helps. rock out, you yeah. know. But I didn't actually graduate to rocking out because I ended up just having an acoustic guitar and I got comfortable right. with that. And so... I mean, I, I guess I rack out my own ways, and <laughs> I've definitely played electric uh, since then, obviously, but acoustic is still... I think I, I like the resistance when you play an acoustic guitar. It's a yeah, little... Yeah, it is, it is tougher. Yeah, and like I can be a little more percussive, whereas like, like it's like a living instrument to me, whereas like the electric guitar is very solid and it does because it's not acoustic it doesn't really pick up like if you hit it or something but yeah so to answer your question a little less long i think i started with guitar primarily just because stylistically i wanted to switch it that up a little where you wanted to go yeah and then i also it was easier to bring a guitar somewhere than to like bring a very keyboard true. or so it just like i gradually and then i just fell in love with it too i mean I now I love playing guitar. Whereas when I first started, I think I was just like, "Well, I need to do something while I'm singing." And like, yeah. But uh, it became more prominent. So this album, usually it's just me and a guitar on an album. My fourth album, I did a little extra stuff, but I did it in my basement. So the production quality wasn't as good as this record is. I did this in someone else's basement, and they but they know more. They know more they got stuff. The fancy, uh, they got the fancy soundproof yeah. walls. Who do you have the, um, working this one? Steve Gualdoni. Okay. He did Martyrs and Misfits, the third album. And he mixed um, my Christmas single, and I, I recorded it. He mixed it, and then he also recorded and mixed the um, Friendly Criminals single. Ooh. This album, that's my personal favorite song. By oh, the way, oh yeah, cool. Yeah. I saw yeah. that sticker you had over there. <laughs> that's that was. It was interesting to see you going like you. One of my favorite things about that punk rock kickball year is like the early core of that thing. Anyone could come in from any angle, and you just never, you never like said, yeah, I'm gonna dive into this punk rock world. But like for two or three years, like you were playing at punk rock shows with full on hardcore punk rock Detroit bands, and it just was fun. Love it. Like everybody loves you. How cool is that right <laughs> to be able to like and that's why i say you're the ultimate face like to show up in a subculture and to just be like hey i'm just me mind if i play cool i'll play everyone loves it cool i'll come back and play. like you never like were working it you were just like oh these people are playing music too let's see if this works and it did and it was at its best that is the beauty of like creating um a group of like a, a culture right like the great things of that are the best. You just, you hate to see the negative, like anything you do has ripples, right? The pendulum swings. It's right. But uh, yeah. So if anyone who's listening, I know we got a couple of punk rock folk in our audience and yeah, listen to Carmel's stuff. You're not going to think this is punk rock, but trust me, everyone in the Detroit scene for like, probably till now, I don't know. When's the last time you played with a punk show? Everything's a little different now than it was 2014. When was the last time I played a punk show? I feel like it's probably been more recent than last winter, but last winter is like the strangest one I remember. I played with Wormfoot okay. and Fish Guts. Do you know Wormfoot? Uh, no, but I know Fish Guts. They're like, I don't even know how to describe Wormfoot. I don't know if they describe themselves as grind or thrash or how they describe themselves, but they're like a heavier punk music. Okay. And, um,. The guy in that band is friends with Courtney from Fish Guts. So, okay. and they're from Lansing. So then uh, I played in Lansing with Wormfoot and Fish Guts and then uh, West Side Rebellion. And 
So that show was really, I, it was random. I mean, Fish Guts is acoustic guitar, but it's still a little more punk rock than me. Like his voice is more like gravelly and like, yeah, yeah. It's more traditionally punk or like folk punk, whatever than me. It's um, very, it's aggressive folk punk. It's like, it's coming yeah, at you like a freight train. It's kind of Tom Waitsy too, like his vocals. And like my musical attitude can sometimes be punk or like my chord progressions, but like it's definitely reads a little more melodically than like your typical, I guess it's, I wouldn't say it's punk necessarily in genre but um yeah i mean it's an influence because i obviously i like you know i like everything in punk included so yeah that's like the last strange one i remember but i've probably played with at least like a rock band or something more recently than that but that was the last like really jarring uh like juxtaposition i guess you could say musically what um uh, what what decision like how did the decision come about to just do your your stuff solo like did you inevitably or do you in the future want to have a band around you or is it strictly a you are comfortable doing the things you're doing now? Well, at first I think I did it alone because I was just kind of trying to get my grips on it, you know, like okay, I got to get good at this and um I didn't mind doing it alone and sometimes I felt like it was easier cuz I you know you're on the same page with yourself. Sure. And if you mess up, you can just like whatever. You can handle it however you want. And you you can – your connection with the audience is extremely intimate and one-on-one at that point. Whereas with a band, it's like a little more of a group dynamic. So like you don't right. – might not have as much control per se over the audience interaction. But I have played with like our friend Mike Land. He's drummed for me before. Phil Warren has drummed for me. My friend Gwen's done bass. And then at the CD release, I'm going to have um, a trombone player and a soprano sax player, um, two percussionists, and then a stand-up bass. So it's still going to be Gwen and Mike and Phil. And then wow. then Max Majoros and Leslie Wacker are doing brass. And I'd like to do more shows with them, like have it them be like my band and maybe have a couple other people that I can sometimes have, like a cellist or I'm definitely like opening up to like having a band, whereas yeah. I was a little scared, I think, before to do that. I think that's very exciting. That's I, I had always dreamed of that. And I, I one of the problems I've always run into is I try to assemble the parts and then make it all grow together and never did the work that you have done. And I think that's where by doing it yourself, you can interact with people and you have an expertise based on your experience that gives you the comfort and the confidence to work with the other people. And you know, if someone's not working with you that you just like, all right, well we tried and you got to just keep moving. Right. Like you can, yeah. you have to have that confidence rather than trying to hold together a really, really leaky ship. Right. It's like, it's like when someone should be a, uh, a solo star versus being on a, a bad tag team or uh, a faction. Like <laughs> sure. Dude, I like was, Mox. Yeah. I was sure. very nervous about that. Like, I know like when we, like, um, we had to have like two weeks off practice. Right now we're watching oh Joe my Ryan God. on the screen and he's um, oiling up his crotch. Uh, this is what he does. Um, you may want to watch, you may not want to watch, but that's Joey Janela on the left and the Joey Ryan on the right. And um, sorry, did you have a question? No, no I was talking about the oh. process. Um, for me, like we had a practice and it was really cool. And then uh, we had to have like two weeks off or something. And I started to panic like, oh, my God, I shouldn't have done this. Like, I'm not prepared. We're not prepared. Like, I started to like panic like, oh, no, this is going to be terrible. And then like, but then like when we had practice the next week, everybody killed it. And I was like, all right, everybody's is oh, awesome. Right. And I was like, but it's like, I feel like it's been a process for me to learn how to trust other people. And like, it's inconvenient to trust other people sometimes. <laughs> it's like, it's difficult. <laughs> and it's like, it takes a little something. It took something out of me to be like, okay, I'm going to give the songs to these people to 
do things with. And I direct the band, but um, which I also feel like I had to like have experience to be able to do. I think absolutely in my life in general, I've always struggled to have boundaries or to like really like lay down the law. Mm-hmm. And I had oh, to yeah. kind of grow into being able to be like, I want this do it like this. And then when someone else is like, well, what about like this? I can be like, yay or nay. Like I have the ability to be like, I don't want that. Or to be be collaborative, you can. And if you don't, that's, it's, isn't it interesting, right? Like just having the boundary line almost gives you the, the emotional comfort to collaborate more, right? Like totally versus when you're like, I really want to be open and giving, but I'm also terrified you're going to take my ring and I'm not going to be able to, my precious, you know, be turned invisible yeah, anymore. Sure. You're going to take my title from me. You're going to backstab me. But, um, yeah, and those names that you mentioned, though, those are also... They're such great they're people. They're very competent on their own right. And so yeah. that's the cool thing, right? Where it's not just like, boy, drummers, for example. It's so hard to find a drummer. And so you say, well, we'll just find a drummer and pray that they have the same work ethic as us and they will get better. Well, you're able to say, oh, yeah, no, this is a guy who's toured with several different bands. You know, he's played all kinds of music. Um, Everybody's, I'm so impressed with everybody's commitment. Like, I feel like it's actually surprised me because I'm like, well, who's going to come just like dedicate their time to me for free to like learn mm-hmm. my songs to perform with me? Like, why would they do that? I mean, obviously, I'm going to pay them when I have money <laughs> when we play, you know, <laughs> like I'll pay them to perform. But like for practices and stuff like, you know, you, typically unless you're like a session musician or something like that, you don't usually get paid to practice. Right. So it's always been like kind of like. It's kind of like scary to just be like, hey, could you just come learn my song and and, uh, play it with me, I guess? But (laughs) you're finding like the people who are willing to say, oh, yeah, if we collaborate with Carmel, the whole will be so much stronger than the parts. And that's where experience and maturity comes in. You know, that's where we're trying to. That's why I'm bringing people into this show who aren't necessarily wrestling fans. You know, there are people who are listening right now who are like, what the fuck? Where's my professional yeah, wrestling This talk? is not the typical one fall show. <laughs> First off, I love Carmel. Secondly, I love music. Third, you've got a new record coming out. And fourth, everyone can learn something by going out there and trying to build on something or building yourself foundationally, whatever it is. That's what these professional wrestlers do, right? They're all bulked up. One of the first things for most of them is that they're going to be acrobats, they're going to be wrestlers um, in a sort of high school wrestling sort of sensibility, or they're going to be bodybuilders. That's doing the work. You're pumping the weights or you're running your laps and you're thinking about when I get into the ring to work my magic, what am I going to do? You know, it's it's not when you get to the show and you do something super cool and the crowd pops where you work your magic. It's where you guys are practicing in the basement. And no one's making a dime. And you know that the thrill of the show is coming. And you hope it's a big enough thrill that people tell their friends they should. You know, and we're doing the same thing. Professional wrestlers are doing the exact same thing. It's, right. It's all this dynamic, right? It's like build your balls. Well, yeah, and that. it's like scary to have like that team. Like it's like it's awesome to have a team of people people behind me but it's also like scary because it's like like in the past i feel like a lot of times people don't take me that serious because i'm one person so they'll be, they'll be like yeah uh we're gonna open up this new shop do you want to come and like play 15 minutes between the bands or like some weird thing like that and they'll right. be like we can like give you a cupcake or like <laughs> and it's like and i'll be like sure why not fuck it it's right. saturday what else am i doing at 2 p.m on a saturday why not and i'll just go do it because who the fuck cares right and like right. it's like well, sure and like i think people always will do that and they'll like kind of ask me to do stuff that they might not ask a band to do because I'm one person and it's not that inconvenient right. but now I've got a band to consider like if I want to have them play it's like I need to make sure that they're going to be treated right and that there's going to be like the like amenities that they there's need or space, the sound exactly. system is going to be able to accommodate and 
the sound. I've got people to take care of now that it isn't just me, but it also holds me more accountable to myself because I feel like I would I would let myself play shows that maybe like weren't totally like respectful to me. Um, right, right. And like now that I it's like easier for me to like have that standard for other people than for myself where I'm like, yes. I'm not going to get these six people to come drive out here to play for 15 minutes between bands right. for a cupcake. It's not going to happen. Right. So like it kind of forces me to step myself up a little bit too. And like also awkward though, because I, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist and like when I, with me alone, it's like I can rely on muscle memory because I played the song so many times. It's not mm-hmm. that big of a deal. But with the band, I have to be more like, we got to practice every week, guys. And I really need you to get this part down because it's not <laughs> perfect and like or whatever. Like it's a, a weird to like be in that role. But it's really cool, though. I'm really I mean, I love all the people that I'm working with and they're just so good. And like, right. I'm it's just that scary thing for awesome. artist, right? Where you're like, you're moving into a different world. The idea of I'm just creating for my own sake versus I've got this machine now, right? Like I've got a faction that I'm running. And if I mess up my leadership, it can have repercussions. But also if I'm good at that role, then it can have great benefits. And I, you know, I trust that you've, you've learned, um, the way you've approached life, you're going to be fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's impossible to predict if, you're not going to have some sort of conflict with somebody or somebody's in any kind of collective. As we learned with, with Punk Rock Kickball, as we see with wrestling, every tag team eventually splits up. 100% of the time, it's an ego-based world. It's an ego-based existence. And somebody is like, you know what? I'm tired of being in Carmel's band. You can't, you can't protect yeah. that. But it's a matter of understanding that how do you prevent yourself from being emotionally involved without being emotionally detached right like as wrestling fans we deal with that a lot (laughs) are we (laughs) how much are we investing into a thing where we know that the secret lingo behind the scenes is to call us marks because we're we're being played you know (laughs) (laughs) no one wants to get played but we're all afraid we're gonna get played yeah i mean i feel like with um the band like the dynamic it's like I was like this in my life in general. We're just being like afraid of like how you were talking about when you don't have good boundaries, you can be afraid to like open up. So like having the boundaries actually allows you to open up more. And I feel like I was like that in my life in general, like even with people and friends, like I was always like so afraid of like being played or, or having a conflict or like getting taken advantage of or something that I wouldn't even, you know, afraid to have your heart broken. I mean, really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Either by somebody else or by, by trusting your heart and leading you into a direction where you're going to get your disappointment, you're going to get the chop. Woo! <laughs> For yeah, sure. but it's like learning, like to have, I don't know, being able to ask for what you need or what you don't need or <laughs> whatever. It definitely allows for much more freedom in life in general. I have found so I think like as a result of trying to do that in my life in general have more boundaries that it's allowed me to like open up to this band and this new creative process. And like the recordings have other instruments on them, but I'd played all the parts. And then the band is all those parts are based on what I wrote on the album, but they're like a little different because the instruments are different. Okay. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I said, so far it's been super cool working with all of them. They're just, there's dedicated and they're cool and we have vibe really well. And they brought stuff to the table that you're like, wow, has there been anything you're like, wow, that's even better than what I had? Um, Yeah, well, so 
I have a backup. My friend Audrey is going to do backup vocals on one of the songs, but then a couple of the other songs I had trombone doing what the vocal harmony did. And even though it's a part that I wrote, you know, just having the person there and being like, well, let's try it like this. I'm like, whoa, I like this better than right. the vocal part. It, it's like, or um, with Mike, like Mike can attest to this, that, well, this is really ridiculous. What's going on the screen <laughs> yeah, right no. now? So we had a, They're uh, grabbing crotches. a mixed tag team of Joey Janela uh, and a partner versus Penelope Ford and, or no, Joey Janela, Penelope Ford versus Joy Ryan and someone who I can't quite identify. And they've just, yeah, they've just traded crotch spots with the, yes. uh, so so the guy the guy in the Technicolor Joey Ryan his uh, his big spot his big you know the thing the crowd really gets into is called the penis plex, where a guy will cup his his crotch and then jump and flip as if he was just thrown by his, his the power of his penis alone. Anyone who agrees to get in the ring with Joey Ryan essentially has to agree that one of the things that you're doing is suspending the disbelief and that if you grab his crotch he's going to flip you over because he's got that superpower and that's where like these dudes look so dumb <laughs> <laughs> like their faces but, but it's, it's, one it's of those funny though where, like any other wrestler when they you know get hit in the crotch area there's a big uh, the effect, yeah, the like, effect. Oh, you this one guy's kind of thing he's got bruises on his legs from another time so the dude with the long hair joey janela he's a hardcore wrestler he Oof. He, he puts himself at risk that's his whole yeah, thing. that yep. chair though. Yeah, he fall just, into chairs before he's or... forty, he's going to be uh, absolutely riddled with Fucked, pain. Yeah, but that's his again goes back to the cart the the, the carny nature of this thing. It, Look how there's tan. A, there's a sideshow <laughs> thing to it, right? Like, right. This idea of you're grifting your audience. How how far can you push them to believe? Like if you pound a nail into your nose, can you get them to believe? Oh, damn, that was rough. He pulled, Sorry. he pulled the sucker out of his trunks, put it in her mouth, and then super kicked her in the sucker. Oh, my God, dude. And like, now Joey Janela's going to get the sucker. And Bam. he's getting kicked. Dude, imagine how bad that would actually hurt if it was really happening. Well, that's one of the things that, you know, like we were talking about before. They have to learn how to not only kick a guy in the face... Well, that fan is and awesome. not break his jaw, but the guy taking it has to learn to react in the proper way to take it. Dude, in how the right do they place. even? Oh man! Ants! Ants! Wiggle, wiggle, woo! Wiggle, wiggle, woo! Wiggle, wiggle, woo! Was a stupid idea from bad creative, and all that's gone. Yeah, so uh, Mike can attest to the fact that whenever I add drums to something for the first time, I'm very timid about the drums. Like, I'm basically like, yeah, just play once every five beat, whatever. And like, it's like, <laughs> I like am, so, and I'm very particular. Like, I'm super like, don't play, don't play, don't play yet, don't play. Okay, now I'll do one beat, okay? <laughs> it's wow. not that bad. It's not that bad. But, I, but it is like, I am very like timid at first. And then like, as I get used to how it sounds with the band, I will be like, okay, cool, yeah, play more, play more. And then he kind of, I kind of let him do his thing a little bit more. And, but I always, that's kind of how I'd ideally like the band to feel is like at first to have it be more regimented and more controlled mm -hmm. and arranged. And then as the band gets more uh, like used to what I like and I get more used to what they like, we can like do a little more improvisational, have a little more fun with it. But definitely, I think sometimes at the very least, 
somebody will take my idea and just do it better than I even thought that it right. was going to sound. And like by starting it subdued, you can let them explore and reel them back into bass point. Where if you let everyone go like full crazy, like I'm just going to play my instrument and let my endorphins fly, saying to them, do less. Do It's so much harder to do less, right? Sure. Especially if you approach things from a minimalist perspective. You let gonzo people be gonzo. You're like, shit, how do I get them back to my bass line, which is... I'm started with two notes and built to three notes, right? I always feel bad, like when I have like really skilled players, some because it's like I know they can do so much crazy stuff, and I'm like, just do the uh, one, two, three, four. <laughs> it's like whatever. <laughs> I always, it's like, I mean, it's a little more complex than that, but I definitely there are certain songs where the it's so simple because I do like minimalism. I like the song to have like a crescendo to it, where a lot of times it'll start more scarce and then kind of build and then become scarce. Or some songs just don't have a lot of stuff on them. Like not every song is a full band song, mm-hmm. right? Even now that I have a band, and uh, so sometimes I think it can definitely maybe test the patience of people that are used to playing more Mm -hmm. but uh the people i work with are pretty flexible and i got really lucky with them or i guess i cultivated the right ones Mm -hmm. (laughs) for i mean for now i mean it feels great right now we'll see and that's you know i love storytelling we've talked about that a million times on this podcast and that's what professional wrestling is they build up to a crescendo and then they go home and that's Every good story does it, right? Like, uh, you can certainly find different ways to tell stories. You don't have to have the exact same sort of heartbeat in terms of you build to a crescendo and then you fade out. But right. generally speaking, that's how all human interaction is. That's how every song is. Well, that's how it comes, like, that's just the waves of the universe. And man. it comes <laughs> down to what works and what doesn't. You know, like, you, you can experiment and do different things in, in whatever your art form is. But at the same time, there's a tried and true reason why so many songs are verse, chorus, verse, bridge, you know, back into chorus. Because it just, that works for a, a massive multitude of people. Which Absolutely. Is kind of, so I wanted to get into. You're also a visual artist as yeah. well as a, a musician. What what mediums do you work in, like visually? All kinds. I, I mean, drawing has always been a huge part of my life. Photography was a, a big part of my life at a time, and like film, it's a little bit less part now. But I still do both of those things. I still love both of those things. But drawing is definitely what I more predominantly do. Okay. At this time, is it because it's kind of the easiest of the of the different mediums to to you? Like it's you can just get some paper and a pencil and just start going. Sure. Yeah, I think I think that's part of it, and I think it's also just sometimes it can be. A little more expressive. I mean, like, photos can be extremely expressive, depending what you take pictures of. But I don't know. I, I guess it's just something that I felt more of a need for lately, is doing, like, visual art. I'm enjoying, like, capturing, uh, like, mostly people. Like, lately I've been doing, like, having people send me, fo- like, reference photos and then, like, drawing, like, almost comic or illustrative style interpretations of people. Okay. And bodies and, like... Uh, it's it's very fun. It's it's a weirdly intimate thing, like drawing a person, because you kind of you like are catching all the details that like sure. makes them who they are, and then and you're capturing also interpreting them. how you see them. Yeah. So there's that. I'm, I'm sure there's constantly that kind of like, well, I don't want to uh, harp on a flaw in this person, and then they will set off something in them. They're like, oh, that's all somebody sees is like this. Well, that's the funny part is that sometimes I don't even see a flaw sometimes. It's like, it's really like, um, 
And it, it, it feels cool to do because it's like, especially if someone sends you a photo that, you know, they like of themselves, it's like you're capturing their love of themselves and you're also right. sort of giving them love in a weird way by capturing their uh, essence. Sure. And uh, I, someone told me that one time, they're like, dude, I don't, I don't really think you flattered this person in this picture i was like what do you mean it looks just like them and he's like yeah i guess that's what i mean it just looks exactly like how they look like right. aren't you supposed to like spruce it up a little <laughs> it's like it's like no that's like defeats the premise. I mean, that's the point is to like show them like what you naturally are is is like art worthy that there's like i don't need to tweak it i don't need to perfect it it's just like you it like it is what it is like that you can take someone's natural state and make it a piece of art like even just as it is. Yes, this is where I, I go back to saying that you're like the ultimate face. I I 100% wake up every day thinking that in order to spruce myself up, I have to put on weird masks. <laughs> I have masks. I have hats. I have. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I I am all about altering my natural state, and it's definitely a. Uh, What's well, a, a human thing? There's a deep hole that's being filled there, right? <laughs> it's everybody does that. Sure. I mean, we all do that. Um, now, do you do you kind of marry the the two sides of yourself the the musician side and the the you know visual artist side? Like, do you do your in your merch and stuff like that? Yeah. You do drawings mm -hmm. or have you done videos for yourself? Or okay, well, so it's hard to do videos of myself. If I could, I totally would because I like I said, I am a perfectionist. So. <laughs> The more you can have your hands on, mm -hmm. the, the better for you. But I'm learning to be a little less controlling. I'm like, you know, it's, it's like you just have to find the right people. But Neil Patterson actually helped me make a video where we, we kind of put our heads together. I've made little short filmy sort of things before by myself. I am going to do a couple videos for two songs off of this album is the plan. And I do have someone who's going to do it uh, for me, who's going to film it for me, but I'm kind of like directing, I guess, or whatever. Like a lot of the concepts are of, of my mind, but you know, I can't do the shots, but I you love doing the shot them. and do the shot. Yeah, the unfortunately. Time. But Neil and I have collaborated a lot. Actually, I've done video of him. He's in video of me and we've done like music together. He's been someone that I've been able to collaborate with. We've even like edited film together, which is like not really that common. It's kind of awkward to edit with someone else sometimes when you're used to doing it alone. But we had a pretty good flow. So I will when it comes to film, it's definitely more of a collaborative art. It's harder to do film alone. It's like not really the point really but sometimes you know i sort of do it i guess but <laughs> yeah i mean i've done like the album art pretty much all the i've done all my own album art okay i've do pretty much all the merch designs one or two of them have been like my mom my mom draws too and so one of my stickers is like lyrics of mine and like i did the layout but i used like some people that she drew and then Another design was a collage that I did that she did, like, a trace line drawing of. Okay. And then I, like, just put her tracing into a des another design. So sometimes I work with my mom. But with the visual art, it's much easier to do that alone. Well, <laughs> and it's, it's really cool, too, because it sounds like on multiple levels, like, you, you've you got your love of art, whether it's the visual medium or, the, or making music, from her. And it's cool that you guys can also collaborate. Like, now, she, I'm sure she's like, I, I didn't realize I was, you know, growing a collaborator all that yeah. time. And now I have somebody, you know, somebody to play with in this medium, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't need me, but she, um, I think that we can have fun sometimes, like, putting our heads together. And I think when I was younger, I was, like, intimidated by my mom's greatness. And I think that sometimes I kind of... pretty great. Yeah, I think sometimes I felt like maybe, like, I was, like, 
I had to prove that I wasn't like in her shadow or something. Sure. And as an adult, I'm less like that, but I think we're still adapting to like my maturity of me being like, yeah, mom, like you're dope and I'm dope. It's fine. <laughs> like when I was younger, I'd be like, well, I'm good too. She's not the only one. And like, I feel like now it does. I don't feel threatened by it. I'm like, yeah, my mom is like sick and she's totally one of the reasons that I can do anything. And I'm like, okay with that. I like right. had to mature into that. Right. Yeah, so it's right. absolutely a maturity thing. We're still kind of like adjusting to that dynamic now, I think. And we live together right now. So we are both making art in the same space but i think overall we're pretty much just supportive of each other and get along and she lets me use her art pens and <laughs> it's, it's <Fantastic>. great <laughs> would you uh have you drawn shawnee before no i've never drawn shawnee i could I, that would be amazing i'd put on a mask <laughs> <laughs> no i mean like I think that it's interesting what you said about the mask thing, because I feel like everyone does that, even on like a metaphoric uh, level, too. As a matter Absolutely. of fact, in my real life, I don't actually, a little, little behind the curtain, I don't actually walk around wearing the mask all day. But, uh, <laughs> I love playing this concept, know, right? Because I know every time I walk into this goddamn room, you've got it on. <laughs> It's the, 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 but the, yeah, it's fun. Again, basic storytelling, right? Like this idea of you put on the mask and you're suddenly someone different. And it's, it's just a blast, especially when you're working through different things. We're just starting to work through some video right now. And working alone, I feel like, okay, if I put this mask on, I'm, I am the mask. And right. It, true. It's helping me make that little transition. Uh, Very and, a, true. and it's a lot of fun. I think that's what like professional wrestlers, right? They have a, a consistent uniform, sometimes makeup or mask. Right. But they're for sure blending this illusion of am i this person that's on stage versus am i not i always thought that was fascinating in the punk rock world where everybody like you see some costumes that are way more ridiculous than the costumes you see in professional wrestling and uh you wonder like are they the costume or are they themselves we're all a blend of both right so to look at the most extreme again lowbrow performance art version of that i think is a great i i can never really explain to anybody why i like professional wrestling and i would never tell someone that they should watch it because it's just too it's such a wide gulf but that's why i love it because i can then take it to the real world and say who's wearing this costume who's acting like they're the good guy when in fact they're the bad guy who's acting like the bad guy but is in fact a good guy like it, it's this very simple language that you can put as a filter over everybody as a musician you're like that? Is Carmel the person that she is from stage? Or is, I right. know, does she ever get mad at somebody? You know, like, is, there, <laughs> is, there, is she in the basement working on songs and she's thrashing the trombone player? <laughs> you know, we never can know that, right? And so the idea of the mask and professional with- wrestling and music and art and all these things are one big stew pot to me. It's that scene with uh, J.K. Simmons and the kid playing the drums, and he's just screaming at him. I've not seen the movie. You've not seen that? I, I can't even remember what movie it's from. I just know that I've seen it used it, like as a meme. I feel like with music, it's harder for me. Like, the mask is like... I mean, it's there to a degree, obviously, because there's some separation between like my the deepest depths of my, who I am and like the music. But uh, it's definitely a little more... It's kind of just like me amplified, really. Right. So, with... Uh, and that's what Stone Cold Steve Austin always says. This, yep. You know... He was like huge in 1997, but he says it's, I am that guy in the ring. I've just turned up factors, like facets of myself. I have turned, I've turned way up and to- turned other ones down. But at the end of the day, it's just an augmented reality of myself. Yeah. And I feel like with, we were talking about visual art and I, before we began our interview, we were talking about like the stickers I've been making and how like I have a whole separate account for that. Right. And there's somewhat of a level of anonymity to it. 
And I find it most easy to use social media on that account because of the anonymity, I think. Right. It's not like really me or about me at all. I mean, everything you make has a part of you in it, right? But like, it's not about me personally. Whereas like the Carmel Liberty page is Carmel Liberty. It's me. It's Carmel. Whereas like the sticker page is like whoever the person is that's making the sticker. And then I have like, I say whatever I feel like saying at that time with the art. Mm -hmm. But because it's visual and it's not like, it's just much easier easier to like deal with it because it's, it's not necessarily it isn't me i guess you know right. like it isn't my purse it's like a separate persona or something Some strange yes. like psychological level of, of plausible deniability <laughs> like yeah i mean it is me can, but it's much, like right. no, it's much, just much like, a like different... wrestlers can detach themselves from like there's the character and then there's the guy who's playing the character yeah, and there's that level of anonymity is kind of like the mask, you know, it's like mm-hmm. I don't, like with Carmella Birdie, like my face is all over it, my name's right. all over it, it's like anything I say on there like reflects on who I am as a person, right. genuinely the pure form of me, whereas like the sticker like page doesn't have like pictures of me on it or anything, it's just like the art that I make, so I can like, there's more freedom of expression there, but like in a song, I still have freedom of expression because it is like... I don't know, like, in the art form itself, I have freedom. But, like, social media for music is totally different because it's not a visual art. It's an audio art, right? So it's just, like, social media is not the most audio-friendly platform. And, like, figuring out how to promote yourself and how to, like, present the material and stuff. It's, like, I hate thinking about it. I really do. I, I don't I don't like using social media for music. But it's just, like, a thing you, quote-unquote, have to do. Sure. Um, it's It's another tool in the box to you know, try and get your, your art out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the music is so personal too, that it kind of almost feels like, you know, like it cheapens it sometimes for it. Like, it, I mean, I don't know if other people feel like that, but like for me, it, it can feel like that. Like, it's kind of awkward. Like my favorite thing about the songs is like the vulnerability of it and the connectivity to other people. And you really don't get to do any of that on social media. There's nothing sure. really very, Open you're, you're about it, self, you know? something up there, and then watching people react to it. Whereas when you're performing, you can on the fly change your performance based on how you're seeing people react to you. Yeah, yeah, like a stand-up uh, comedian, you're reading the room and being dynamic, and it's a living piece of art in its weird way, right? Like performance mm-hmm. art. That's when someone. Uh, like when a very technical musician can get on stage and just performs like an automaton, it's a different, it's a, it's more of a um, demonstration of expert craft, right? right? Like if you're completely ignoring the energy that you're getting from the audience, you can, you can be a great craftsman and your song can be a great piece of art, but you're not living that moment of art. And that's another great thing about professional wrestling. I love like punk rock or like a small time show. I much prefer going into a room that's got like, 50 to 100 people yeah, in a you small look at- packed room to watch wrestling where the audience where I can yell something and if the person in the ring is an amateur or a really good professional they might address the fact that I've yelled something where of course if you're in a basketball stadium watching a Hulk Hogan style match you're really just watching the circus at that point it's 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 a sea of faces no i totally agree and i feel like social media is sort of like that it's like there's not a lot of quality to it it's really easy to ignore stuff like you're just scrolling through your feed all day long and like the visual art that i make um even though it can really be expressive for me and cathartic like it's not as like um 
it's like someone scrolling through their feed and just seeing like a sticker that I made or whatever and like ignoring it. It's like, I don't know, whatever, who cares? But if you're just like, I've been spending months and months on this album, please come and watch right. me perform the songs. And so, and then it'll be like 300 views, like 12 likes or like whatever. And you're like, Jesus Christ, this is depressing. It's like, right, it feels, right. it's like more, it's, there's more weight to everything. And I'm like, mm. okay, so when I book out of state, they're going to look at my Instagram. So I got to make sure that it doesn't look too lame. And I got to think about when the right. algorithm rhythm is hitting at the right time and if i'm gonna post like i hate it so much but i feel like i kind of have to think about that stuff because everybody apparently puts all this weight on it like right and the thing about it is you're going through a moment where if you keep pushing and you keep expanding in different directions you will eventually get past that point you can either pawn that off to somebody else or you can just pull the plug on it everyone wants to be music especially but art across the board no one wants to do promotion. No one wants to uh, expose their art or diminish their art by by working at. But you earn the ability to just go out and be a pure artist if you want to. You won't have to worry about that anymore, right? Like maybe someone in your band will be really good at it, or you'll come across somebody who's like, "I noticed you don't do this really great on social media. You want me to take over the social media?" And yeah, maybe at some point you'll be ready to hand that over but it's not like a it's not a lifetime sentence but it feels like it right you're doing your fifth record you get 300 views you're like son of a bitch i know i've performed for thousands and thousands of people where are they now when i need them no i know that's what's so awkward i feel like i've i've played in front of a ton of people now at this point i've been playing for such a long time and like so many times when i play shows like There'll be like a few people after that are like, dude, you're sad, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, awesome. Like, you're great. Like, I hope to see you again. They're like, yeah, totally. But then I have no clue. Like, I maybe I'll forget who they, their, what their name was. I'm not going to remember everybody's account, right? So I'll be like, okay, there, I know there was like at least seven people in Chicago that thought I was cool. So hopefully those seven people see this post, but I have no idea who they are, but I know that they liked me or like whatever right, it is. Right. Like, and it's like really awkward. It's like I want desperately to like, I mean, I'll remember who they are or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, I know who right. they are, but I don't know if they're going to see the post or if they changed their account or if they deleted their, ins- I don't know. There's so many people on the internet. So it's like, and, like, at that point, like if I've toured enough times, like, I've been on, like, I don't know, 10 tours or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's, like, there's people in states that probably forgot I exist. And, like, maybe if I go back there, they won't even see me because they don't even remember. And, like, because I didn't know how to keep them on track. Like, it's, like, really hard to figure that out. And not everybody uses Instagram. Some people are Facebook heavy. Some people prefer email. Some people would rather be on Twitter. Some people right, like right. YouTube. And, like, it's pretty impossible as one person to, like, perfectly manipulate all those platforms. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, but it's it sucks because I'm, like, you know, I know I've, like, traveled and I've played for people and they got the CD or something and I know that there's people out there that liked me but I don't have like a lot of like um like material things to show for it like right. at like a at like a Thanksgiving dinner and someone's like so what do you do it's like I'm a musician all oh, that good for you like no one no one there's right. no like way for me to show like I've actually made a difference to some people like right, right. Every, there's no way yeah. <laughs> you know like some people really cared about what I did even though you can't tell by the way that I live or how I look <laughs> right. it happened I'm telling you right, <laughs> a couple right. people liked it and it's like I don't know it's like so that's like sort of the awkward thing about being an entertainer is it's like it really isn't enough to just affect people or be likable or be good it's like you have to be able to prove to people that you're good without even performing right i remember talking to rob reinhardt um on wdet one time oh yes i was like talking to him about music and i was like maybe i should move to la and he was like why would you do that 
I was like, well, I don't know, because the industry, he's like, what are you going to do in L.A.? Working at Tim Hortons to afford your shitty apartment and play an open mic? Like, what? what's the point? What are you trying to do? Right. And I was like, damn, that's kind of hard. She's like, I'm just saying, like, someone in your position, like, you don't have a super wealthy family. You're going to have to support yourself. Who's going to support you? You. He's like, so you're going to have to work your ass off. So what are you really going to get done? And, that's and I was like, damn. <laughs> he's like, just let the grassroots happen. He's like, keep doing it. He's like, you're going to have organic growth. Just let the organic mm-hmm. growth happen. Don't try to shortcut it. Don't fuck yourself over like that. Right. And I was like, man, that's kind of a good point. But Do like, work, get the XP, get the XP. Yeah. Sometimes right. you need someone to just like be blunt like that. Oh, and for sure. like, um, someone else I know what, that I'm really close with one time, I was like, you know, what do you think like bonds us together so well? And he was like, ah, uh, I guess we're both losers. And I was right. like, what do you mean losers? <laughs> and he's like, well, I guess I just mean we're like value different things in yeah. life than other people and i was like i guess that's true because it's like i feel like maybe to somebody else like i would be considered a loser because i'm not like so like wealthy yet i don't have like my own house and i'm not like married i don't have kids like i guess those are supposed to be like the things that you know make you really awesome or something i don't know right. <laughs> there you go so i i don't when is when is the new record coming out what are december some of the, 6th december 6th i know you're having a show at, at the trumbleplex trumbleplex which is an, a long-standing anarchist collective um mary fuego is playing and Emily Rose and Jack Oates. No, I have seen Emily Rose. I'm not seen Jack Oates. Yeah, they're all good. They're all great. It's gonna it, Jack Oates is like a little more of like Americana, like okay. but he's got a, like a rock and roll edge. And then uh, Emily's singer songwriter, and she has a like her music has a real classic feel, and sometimes a little folky, a little boppy, a little melancholy. Okay, and. Uh, Jack O's is real like gravel, gravelly voice, kind of like almost funky sometimes. Ooh, I like some of that. Um, and like real like like boot stomping goodness. And then Mary Fuego is super cool. She's kind of like a transient musician, artist soul, and she plays accordion and she sings. And her voice sometimes is a little like Billie Holiday ish sometimes. But it, I mean, it's got its own thing going on. Right. And there's that that Billie Holiday has. A, there's soul there's a richness that you can't yeah. quite like you can you can work to describe it in terms of you know huskiness or rap but no you just her music her makes me like, cry oh, yeah, and then absolutely. there's a little bit of like a um like a moldy peaches feel sometimes she's really super like cute and lighthearted and like absolutely um yeah. which i'm a huge i like kimmy dawson a lot that was like yeah. one of the songwriters i really liked when i was in high school i haven't listened to her in a long time but i had a phase you know and uh I'm a fan of her work, and I think sometimes Mary Fuego even has a little edge to that because she can be really informal and like she's got really great crowd interaction. And some of her songs are a little like carnival esque too. Ooh, nice. So she's super. There, everyone playing is just really great. I'm, I'm so excited to have them all on the show. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like it's gonna be a great time. So we definitely want to have you back. Before we came on the show, we, I talked a lot. Like I was very manic, and I talked about a lot of <laughs> crazy different things. I want you to think about all those things. I want you to come back when you're not in the middle of like ramping up for a huge like annual kind of show and do some weird shit with us. Maybe play some music. Uh, hopefully I would love to play something. We're gonna get some get a platform going on a video. Uh, we want to get onto YouTube with some regular stuff, and uh, maybe at that time we'll finally have so that you can set the cameras exactly how you want them, so you won't feel like you're being thrown into an improvising world. <laughs> okay, that's how we're work- That's that's the goal we have. That's what we're working towards. That's my album is having this studio finally functional with video. 
Mr. Bean, you got anything else? Have, have we have we breached the sixty we, minute time we've limit? We've gone well past the sixty minute time limit of the one fall show, uh, and that's all right because it was a hello conversation. I may end it. I may, I may edit it to get it below the sixty minutes. I'm not sure. We'll see how that goes. Where can people find you online? Um, all over the place. I got a website, CarmelLiberty.com, but I'm also on Instagram, CarmelLiberty, and on Facebook. And I have an art page, CarmelLiberty.jpg on Instagram. And then, uh... Do you music uh, on any streaming yes. service? Spotify, Bandcamp, YouTube, Apple Music, Last.fm. Uh, if you Google Carmel Liberty, it'll all come up. Excellent. But the website has everything on it, too. Shawnee, where can people find us online? Oh, they can find us at the One Fall Show Facebook page, Facebook group they can find me at shawnee.constant on instagram we did not do anything weird with video this week no but i am still working on the weird video stuff and you are still wearing a mask well perhaps you can find me on uh twitter at chzuck chizuck bean and uh you can find us back here next week with the one fall show thanks everybody have fun be safe don't fall in the hole bagel 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 tear put it reverse tear put it reverse That's a low. That's low bass, you know, because it's a condenser mic. I didn't want to blow it up. Right, know? right, right. Um, so you can, you know, like add those in there later, or like, um, like ba da 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 they're doing penis thrust on the wrestling show. <laughs> There's another one. So what freshly squeezed orange Cassidy's whole Jesus thing Jesus Christ. He reminds like he's just like one of those dudes in high school who's like, hey guys, what's going on? What's going on, guys? Hey. Yeah. And he's like just super goofy and weird. I love that. I feel like this might be the best Janela will ever look. <laughs> in terms of like fitness and determination. Right. It is still fascinating week to week to watch all elite wrestling try and figure out how much uh, Orange Cassidy is the right amount of Orange Cassidy. Wait, wait, don't stop it. Don't stop it. Let it go. Let it go. All right. You think this is a fucking costume? This is a way of life. I don't even know who these people are. (laughs) Oh my God, dude. And now Joey Janela's going to get the sucker. Yeah, no, I'm really on low, low sleep. I went to bed at 7.30 in the morning the, a couple nights ago, and then today I had to wake up at 7.30 in the morning. Oof. So I had like maybe like one night in between where I tried to get like regular sleep, but that it didn't really work. work and no. like, but I tried to transition like really quick to like... That's, that's my schedule. Did it like, really work? I have four nights a week that I'm working midnight to six in the morning oh and then like I've got two or three nights where it's like, well, I don't have to be at work but fuck if I can be asleep. Yeah. So, I get it. Whoa. I Am I starting? Mm-hmm. Actually, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Just a little bit of something for you. <laughs> Thank you.
of the law will be deceivers of the heart. And not all who are deceivers were deceivers at the start. So be kind to those who disobey and tell them everything's okay. And maybe they'll remember your name when they go kicking and swinging into the And how to act and even how to wear my clothes But one day I thought, you know, there must be more to life than this As I passed a group of rebels, said hello and raised my fist When they go kicking and swinging into the Does anything 